Welcome to another exciting Pollinate uh, podcast. And, um, you know, some time ago when we moved into this area, we got to know some of the local farmers. And uh, there is one very exceptional person that we're lucky to have here with us today, uh, Angie Scharnhorst. Tell us your last name. Scharnhorst. Scharnhorst. I knew I'd screw that up. Um, but you said that's happened in school, right? Yeah. I mean, skin yeah. Orange, skin orange. Yep, that's me. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Angie and her partner in crime, Marla, run a great CSA that my wife and I are privileged to be recipients of. Uh, they have really turned our summer and more and more winter dining into very exciting vegetable euphoria so (laughs) thanks for that um and also they have uh sort of taken over our refrigerator we had to add a little refrigerator to manage the surge and uh yeah but uh that's on my wife and i and mostly my wife i would say but in any case angie it's great to have you and (laughs) today Let's just dive right in. And so tell us a little bit about the road that took you to this farm. Tell us about your CSA and the road that took you there a little bit. All right. So my name's Angie Scharnhorst. I am the owner and farmer at um, Bountiful Harvest Farm. It is a farm in Solon off Sugar Bottom Road, um, about nine miles from Iowa City, from downtown good old Iowa City. So um, local food is very important to us and that it is actually very local, like nine miles away. So that's um, a big deal for us. The road, (laughs) the road that got me here. It's hilarious when I kind of think about my life and jobs. I've been a college softball coach. (laughs) I have um, my previous life, I always say, is an event coordinator at a convention center, worked in a sporting goods store. So I've had many paths to where I am now. I'm not the typical, I didn't come from a big ag family or um, go to school at Iowa State or anything like that. Um, or a I, billionaire. That or a bill. Yeah, yeah right. Well, I mean, I am. But <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, no, I don't have any of that. But I, I had a family that loved growing um, food for themselves. And my grandmother grew food for her uh, five children and um, canned and put up. And just I had a family that just loves the outdoors. So kind of got into the canning aspect and learning that from the grandma. My mom always said it skipped a generation. (laughs) So she doesn't really know what happened there. But um, she's doing it now and gardening and stuff. But I just had this interest in knowing something that like, you know, where your food comes from, and it tastes so good. And then I took a because of the canning, I went to a farm. And when I was living in Austin, Texas, um, I went to a farm and they had a big tent set up and the farmer took us around to the different areas where he picked the food. And then we went over to this tent and the woman showed us how to can the things that we had just picked. And that was just amazing to me to know, like, I saw where the food came from, you know, like where it was going to end up being canned. So from then I just, I knew I liked gardening and just, um, doing that. When I moved to Iowa, um, I actually, had a chance. There's not a lot of large convention centers in Iowa City, so um, and the regional ones weren't hiring. So I had an opportunity, blessed enough to take a break and kind of see what was around. I couldn't just sit at home, so um, paused and went to a farm here and kind of started volunteering. And then here I am. <laughs> like I just got hooked. It was the bug. Um, 
worked for a farmer for a couple years and then um, was asked to help manage another farm. And then for the last two or three years, I've actually been owning an uh, owned and operated Bountiful Harvest Farm on my own, bills and all. Mm. So, and not being a billionaire, no, <laughs> they are very important bills. So that's kind of the road. So it's very unconventional, but I think in that I'm also not, I kind of get where people... Um, maybe who don't have, have an ag background, you know, just the appreciation of food or trying to teach people that appreciation of local grown from good soil with love food tastes a lot better. So. And tell us a little bit about how you built an audience for this, because I mean, one of the things that that strikes me is you have a, a great personality that comes through with your emails and your newsletters that, that go out to, to customers. Um, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, so um, I think in when you get um, I, when I was in Austin, I was a member of a farm, and I would get like a kohlrabi, and I had never had a kohlrabi, and well, <laughs> what do you yeah, do with this? You know, that? like, yeah. and you want it, you don't want to waste anything. So um, for me, it was very important to not only just give, you know, you as a farmer, you want everyone to eat seasonally because that's what's good for the soil. You know, like you're not trying to, you can extend a season so much, but you're not doing inputs and things that aren't good for, for nature. And, but so if you want people to eat with the season, especially like in a place like Iowa, where we have a short growing season, but you know, it's cold and all this different things, you can only grow certain things at certain times with eating with the season, then you get funky things. Like maybe people don't know about pak choy, um, kohlrabi, collard greens, you know, like I love them, but that's kind of a Southern thing. Mm. So just different things. I want people to get that and be interested in at least trying it. So for me, um, I want people to know like the story behind it. So in the emails that you had mentioned, like with the CSA that we have, I send weekly emails out that shows people like the pictures of how things are grown so they can see what a kohlrabi looks like growing in the ground. Um, weeds and all around it, because that's part of what this farming thing is. <laughs> um, and then just to know how it, like, that's what it looks like. Then this is how you cook it. So I try and find recipes for them, um, give them storage ideas and options and like daikon radishes. It's amazing to me, this big monster radish, how many people love it. You know, like that's, we've gotten rave reviews this year on daikon radishes, you know, like it blows my mind, but things that you don't normally, because you don't see those in grocery stores because everyone, you know, with the grocery stores, it's the round, perfect round red (laughs) tomato, which is sometimes pink. (laughs) Um, you know, and you just don't get a lot of variety. So for me, it's giving people variety, letting them see, I think that's what, why people join a farm is to get that experience with it too. And that's what everybody's looking for nowadays is big experiences also. So just giving that when you become a member of the farm, you're actually a member of the farm. You're not just going and picking up vegetables. You can do that anywhere. So I want you to be a part of Bountiful Harvest Farm. So, so but you're starting off uh, coming up from Texas, yeah. right? And so I mean, did, yeah. you don't know that many people here. No. And now you're part of a farm and you volunteer for a while. But when it comes to your own farm, I mean, how do you build that audience? How do you, what what's, you know, if, if you had to give somebody a recipe book or what's worked for you? Yeah. Uh, what would you say? Um, so I was lucky enough to transition into um, the person that owned the farm had a lot of contacts here, like mm. that owned the land. So um, he had a lot of contacts. So that helped a lot. But with me, I think it is that when you have, if you start out with five members, 25, 75, 150 members, that you really take the time to get personal relationships with them because then they pass it on to their mother, their neighbor, their coworker. Um, 
we had this year, I know it's been an exceptional year because of COVID, but we actually went um, almost tripled our CSA numbers mm. this year. And we had um, about, I think that and more on our wait list to even get in to our CSA. Um, but it's just about really creating that community is just really important with us. So just, we're also blessed enough to go to a farmer's market. So we do the CSA and we go to the farmer's market. So we have people that pick up boxes at the farmer's market and people kind of look like, well, what what are they getting back there? (laughs) You know, I have to sit here and pick this out and you're just packing it for me. (laughs) I'm like, oh, awesome. So, um, I think just, there's a different, just being able to branch out, um, to different, uh, ways of selling your produce. Um, and then I also think getting to know your other like local farmers and the community around that to where if a friend of mine, CSA sells out, she can then, you know, he, she can say, Hey, there's another one over here as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's tough. You can't just walk in and act like, you know, Hey, that's probably why we haven't moved anywhere. <laughs> Cause you, you know, you work so hard for year and year out to kind of build that community around yourself. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing. You know, it's not, we always joke that farming isn't all rainbows and butterflies, you know, like there's a it lot is. of others, a lot of other stuff with it. <laughs> there's a lot of rainbows and butterflies too, but yeah, <laughs> there's some compost and weeds in there. <laughs> there's butterfly poop too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy. I think just being, just being an open, like open personality and talking to people and getting to know people and, you know, there's a lot of farm and friends of mine that they do it because they don't want, you know, like the, to get out there and stuff. But like, to me, that's what it's all about. I love the community aspect of it. And the food has a story and that my members three years ago had a baby, you know, like, and now I know this, this kid growing up and that she likes to eat carrots, you know, like right out of the bag or mom can't get home without having the cherry tomatoes, you know, gone from, from farm to her house. So I just, I don't know. I just think it's about the community. Fantastic. So you do farmer's markets as well. And obviously this year's pretty tough for that, yeah. but uh, yeah. As in none. Yeah. <laughs> but talk us through that. I mean, what's, what's your take on sort of working with a farmer's market or CSA or supplying restaurants? I mean, you have different channels, right? Mm-hmm. That you can work on, but what's worked best for you and, and, you know, what's, what's been challenging in some of these yeah. venues? So for us, we're still, to be honest, still trying to find, you know, like that combination because, um, I love the farmer's market aspect of it because it's, you're talking to people all the time. My, you know, my community of, um, my CSA, they come and pick up and we talk and, but then I get to reach other people. There's a lot of people that don't want to become part of a CSA. They can't eat that many, you know, vegetables. They don't, they've tried kohlrabi or daikons and they just don't want it. You know, they're they're not going to eat kale. Um, so they don't want those things or they just can't do it year round. You know, like they got a lot of kids that they do traveling and playing ball. So for me, it's just another way to get my food that I grow into the hands of the community. Um, it can even come down to financial. Some people can't do the upfront X amount of dollars to begin with, but they can shop locally and weekly at the market. Um, so for me, I didn't want to just kind of, and this year is a prime example of that, like kind of pinhole myself into one area of just being CSA or just being farmer's market or just selling wholesale. And for us, it's been a blessing this year. Um, last year we had coming into this season, we had planned on doing a lot of, uh, a lot of farmer's markets because we did really well with that. And, and then COVID hit mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there are no farmer's markets around here. There's online stuff. Um, so 
at the beginning of the season, we had to really kind of regroup and pivot. You know, that's what we've joked about. We've been regrouping and pivoting a lot this year, like kind of every other, every other week. But um, we decided to up our CSA by quite a lot because you know for sure that that's income coming in. You know how much to grow and you, you know, get it out the door. Um, so that in the CSA aspect, that's nice because you kind of know what you're doing, what you're selling in the market. You're hoping mm-hmm. that you're going to have enough people come and, yeah. you know, buy does your it, stuff and you're not going to have to load or, it, yeah. load it yeah. back, yeah. <laughs> you know, take it back yeah. with you <laughs> and can more stuff yeah. for you, <laughs> which is good. Um, so it's just, and with, with me personally, I then, uh, you know, I don't, I guess I love the wholesale aspect too and selling to restaurants because, um, I know that like I can give, sell my food to a chef and then he can trans he or she can transform it into this amazing dish and even more people get mm. to experience my vegetables, you know, like someone who would not go to a farmer's market or doesn't do a CSA can come eat at a restaurant and, you know, have the best tasting tomato they've had <laughs> in their life because they've never bought that. Mm. Um, and I think if you can get, if we as local farms can get more of our food out to different areas, people will try them and then appreciate the value of those. But we also started an online farmer's market or an online farm store this year. Something, you know, never thought we'd have to do is little speck of a farm in Solon, Iowa mm-hmm. now has an online farm store, you know, because we do, um, we didn't have our farmer's market to go to. So people can order online and come pick up in our veggie drive through with cute little name that we called it. Oh, clever. <laughs> yeah. So they can come pick up in our veggie drive through It's pre-packed and ready for them. We got our masks on, we put it in their car and they go. So a lot of people have enjoyed that, you know, mm. like that part of it. They still feel like they're part of a farm, a community, but maybe couldn't get into our CSA. So, so is that something you think you'll carry on? Gosh, it's, it's so tough. We'd love to do that. There's so many of us that have talked about how it's nice to, we can be at the farm still and work. We're not loading the truck or the mm. van or whatever and going to a farmer's market and then loading it up. And that's like, if we had a, for example, a five to seven farmer's market on Wednesdays, you know, sometimes we're leaving the farm by three 30. Mm. So you're starting to pack up before then you got to, you know, make your table all fancy and pretty and stuff like that. And then schlep it all back, you know, of course we sell out, but yeah. <laughs> when we don't, you know, you have to schlep it all back and then you're eight o'clock at night loading stuff back into, you know, into your coolers and things. So it's been wonderful on that side of knowing exactly what to harvest, what to, you know, get ready for and getting it out there. But it's just tough because we're not sure if, if the market's open again next year, if people will still engage in that or if they're going to want to go to the market. So it's, that's been tough. We loved it. We'd love, we would love to keep doing it. We just don't know if we'll have the customer base there. So mm. if you're out there, <laughs> you want to let us know, that'd be great. <laughs> and what about, has it changed you going strongly towards CSAs in in lieu of the fact that there's mm-hmm. no farmer's markets, mm-hmm. physical ones? Um, has that changed your perspective on sort of shifting more that direction? Or, I mean, if things ever go back to normal, what? Yeah what's your recipe then? Yeah. I mean, I, I really liked the balance this year. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's tough cause it's myself and then Marla and Marla actually worked a full-time job also. So it was, we had 50 CSA members and then our online farm store. So we did it twice a week. So that's 20 to 30 every time. So 75 to a hundred people every mm. week. And it was myself. And then Marla came after work mm. <laughs> and helped. So, um, so that was, that was a little interesting and tough with that aspect of, um, 
kind of the labor and man hours to put into that with 50 people and knowing that you have to do 50 people, you know, all the time. But I don't know is the answer to that. You know, it's just every year you got to find that balance and try and figure that out. So we got, we thought we had a plan coming into the year. We were going to go do more markets. We we're going to really amp up on that. And then hello. <laughs> so at least we were able to, you know, to, to transition that quickly. So that was nice um, and able to, I guess it hit early enough. I don't know if that's a blessing, but <laughs> it hit early enough to where we could plant more, you know, and kind of beef up that for the CSA. So, so a couple years back, I think it was two summers ago, the New York Times did this article about basically small scale vegetable farming and how it had blossomed. Um, at the same time, I think one of the main takeaways that a lot of people got out of this article was just the amount, the grueling amount of hours that go <laughs> in and the kind of almost inhuman low wages you know that you get yeah. when if, if you were ever dare to sort of figure out yeah. how much you're earning per hour no don't so, do it <laughs> so walk us through that i mean you're you're i mean how sustainable is this for you i mean it, yeah. I, i'm i'm not talking about for 20 years or something but just like how do you envision that how do how do you look at that economically yeah um that's that's a tough one yeah. um Farming is, I think, a big passion project, and um, you have to love it because there's many times through the year you're going to hate it. <laughs> like, just not, you know, I love doing what I do. I love giving, you know, like picking out that seed and because it's going to be the most unique or interesting color or taste or, you know, um, but there's going to be times where you plant that seed, you babied it forever, and you look at the crop and it's dead and someone asks what happened. You're like... <laughs> I do not know, <laughs> you know, because you've looked at the pests, you've looked at the water, there's drought, no, you know, diseases, and sometimes things just don't turn out. Um, so, yeah, the the financial aspects of it are, to be, it's quite daunting. Um, it just like, you know, like land around here in Johnson County, I would love to stay around. I currently lease land, which is great. Um, I've got a great situation. I would love to have my own farm, just the owning the land, you know, and living on the farm. I live 20 minutes away from the farm. So commuting in to roll up a high tunnel in spring and then, okay, it's too cold to do anything else. So I go home, you know, yeah. and, and then I got to go close it at night, you know, or turn the propane tanks on. I would love to live there. Um, but land prices are very expensive around here. And we always joke that's a lot of zucchini and summer squash that you sell for a dollar <laughs> to make up the mortgage every year, you know, or every month. Um, so that's, it's a, it's a tough one. It, um, just trying to find that balance. Um, I joke around um, in my previous life, I was an event coordinator and those are some grueling hours. Mm. And it's like a walk in the park after farming. You know, I do it on the off season. Usually go and do conferences, large conferences in the off season. Those were canceled this year. They're gone virtual. But it's crazy when you, you know, look forward to running a conference for 17,000 women because it's a break <laughs> from farming. So, um, but yeah, it, it's a, it, it's just, it's a tough thing that every year you really have to kind of reevaluate and try and figure out, you know, like, can, can we do this and can this keep going? Um, is there a scale you think that it starts to be more manageable or, I mean, let's, well, let's, let's say, you know, that, that the land prices were such that you could afford a farm. How big a farm do you think it takes for a full time? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's just so interesting in the balance because you have to figure out 
coming like we just talked about market or CSA or mm. wholesale yeah. that plays a big part into it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, if you everyone always talks about because that's the way America works is scaling up and getting bigger and doing yeah. more. So you scale up and you get bigger and you do more and you have to hire people. And mm. I'm not going to pay someone eight dollars an hour to come bust their hump either all day. Mm. You know, I want to pay them a living wage, but I. Like you said, I can't pay myself. You know, I haven't paid myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, woo, but you get canned tomatoes. <laughs> so, which is amazing. <laughs> They're yeah. worth their weight in gold. But, um, I, you know, for me to hire someone, I want to be able to give them, be able to pay them decently. Um, so ramping up and going bigger isn't always the answer because then you start having money go out the door because of labor. So it's, you know, we're not, when we are not certified organic, but we're organic practicing. So it's not go plant stuff, go spray stuff to which it kills the weeds, mm. go harvest it with our big, which combines are ridiculously expensive. <laughs> so we don't have that. So that's good, you know, but when you plant a carrot, we can try and do all these things, but there's weeds, weeds are going to come up and then you spend four hours weeding that carrot. So every time you're on the hour weeding that profit, you know, the, yeah. it, it's going down and it just, so I don't know the answer to that. When I have a magic wand and anyone does have a magic wand, I would love to know. Um, but that's, I think that's one of the people ask like the biggest struggle is just that financial kind of aspect of that. Just the land being able to purchase a farm um, because, you know, I lease and that's amazing. There's benefits to that. But then if I don't own the land building infrastructure or mm. putting money, you know, I'm always going to put money into the soil because that's what grows a good product. But then, in a year, I might not be there, you know, mm. because I don't have a long-term lease. So it's 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 just tough when you, things that people don't think about that they shouldn't, you know, I don't know if they shouldn't necessarily think about, but you don't expect them to think about, you know, that um, compost costs money. Yeah. <laughs> like to put yeah. it back in the soil and you have to put it back in the soil. But then at the end of the year, you could be gone and that's your value of what you have built up so um i don't know that scaling up is the answer that's why we've kind of played around so many years with farmers market or you know like csa mm. and do there's a lot of people that have off-farm jobs do you go get that but then you're already working i mean like i get it to the farm at 6 30 or 7 in the morning and there's times when i leave at 10 o'clock at night you know like and it's crazy so i don't know how that part-time job trying to yeah. <laughs> to pay the bills fits in that you know in that schedule so i mean it's it's tough and there's a lot of benefits you know to farming but then the financial thing you're just always worried about a derecho that comes through or a drought you know like the things that we've been through this year has been unbelievable so everyone that's still standing you know <laughs> kudos to you <laughs> exactly I mean, one of the things that isn't standing so well right now is, is the restaurant business. And I know there's been a lot of sort of tailwind for restaurants to at least take some food. And even institutional places like the university and stuff are mm -hmm. starting to take more locally produced uh, mm -hmm. foods. How's that business? I mean, prior to COVID, obviously, mm -hmm. but I mean, how does that work for you what you know what's the what's the challenge there um i mean obviously the price isn't as high i take it um yeah the price isn't as high but you're also not like i can sell 50 pounds of something mm. at one time you know right. i don't have to like for carrots for example if i'm going to sell x amount of carrot like 50 pounds of carrots versus taking six carrots bundling up you know like mm. and then laying them on the table in crates and transporting them so there's those costs in there too labor bundling or you know harvesting them and putting in a, a large crate versus taking the time to pack them up so wholesale isn't necessarily 
you know, a bad thing when you're, when you can get the business, you know, like the mm. level of, you know, like it's tough when you're, you know, like someone calls you and then that's the one time you hear from someone, mm. you know, they need something sure. right there and then you don't ever hear from again, but they want a wholesale price or something, you know, like, I think that's another thing that goes back to just building that good community and building a strong, um, relationship with them or, you know, maybe you're not going to get some, an order every week, but you know that that restaurant or that university or whatever is really interested and bought into local foods, either because they taste better, because they know where they come from. Like the know your farmer, know your food, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's not been shipped on a truck. It's, you know, like we harvest it at the best time at the best tastes. And we actually have looked into growing certain types of food that actually tastes good, not just can ship you know, across the country, which I mean, I've eaten a tomato from a grocery store in winter because I had to have tomato because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I needed it, <laughs> but it just doesn't taste as good. Same. That's why I can, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff. So, um, so I think that it's, I, I don't know. I, I like building that relationship. It's for me, it's tough because just getting in the door, you know, like mm. trying to, it, that's from coming from a chef. That's a lot of trust too. You know, like, you don't know who this person is that maybe you don't, you've never heard them before. And I don't know anything about their farm. Are they really doing good practices or, you know, Mm -hmm. how clean are their facilities, things like that. So I think it's just getting your name out there and getting in the door. Um, I haven't worked a lot with like institutions or anything like that. Um, I know a friend of mine did. And when COVID hit, it was a big, you know, tough switch from them. But um, like here, I, work a lot with chef Matt at mm-hmm. uh, Rapid Creek Cidery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's a really good relationship. I love the fact that he really and truly does value purchasing local. Like there's mm-hmm. so many of my farming friends that I know that if he's not buying from me, it's cool that, Hey, I just had your carrots over there at, you know, mm-hmm. and they were taste amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think that in itself then also builds community because um, I, as a patron can go and shop or eat at that restaurant. And I know it's not, it's feeding me, it's supporting that restaurant, but it's supporting the farmer down the street too. So I think that's just, I think we need more of that right now. And in the world is just that big, big community hug. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll it'll be really interesting if we ever do get back on a sort of normal track. Yeah. um, Exactly. How much of this stays around? Because I mean, right now there does seem to see be, it doesn't matter if it's us or you or whoever. I mean, everybody's talking about the same thing. There's Mm -hmm. been a resurgence of interest, not just in gardening or, you know, fixing up your house or whatever, but in just supporting local, Mm -hmm. supporting local foods, especially. And, um, you know, that does make the world go round economically. The the money just spins over and over and over and, and brings good stuff to, to everybody involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, how much of that is is uh, going to go away? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's yeah. uh, interesting. I I hope that it, like you said, I hope that it does stay. And it's not, you know, one thing that we've talked about, um, some friends and, and I have talked about is that, it, you know, it, it shouldn't just be supporting local because it's, oh, you're helping the poor little farmer yeah. over there. You know, you're just seeking out something in your community that's there. Like if it's not there, okay, go, you know, fine, go buy. Like I'm not going to buy a pineapple from someone here yeah. because it, I mean... I don't think anyone's growing pineapples. Maybe. But, you know, if it's, if it's from someone that you know and you can help someone out, why not do that? Or not even help them out. You know, just that you're, you're seeking out where you're being a smarter 
purchaser. You're taking your money and you're keeping it here, you know, so that it's it's helping out the whole entire community, which helps out the whole food story, you know, and just I I, I really do hope that it it continues. Um, except for the fact that there is a huge shortage on canning lids. Yeah, <laughs> that's been a little tough. Yeah. So people, I, we were joking that you know after all this is done, <laughs> it's gonna be like canning yeah. stuff at the garage. Yeah, yeah. there'll be mountains. <laughs> wow, of this it. is yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just that. I, I really, really do hope that sticks around just from everything, just everybody taking a little break and taking a step back and appreciating the small things more. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. I <laughs> yeah. mean, uh, so much of this depends on consumers, obviously. Yeah. And uh, I think people need to come to see that the decisions they make in buying food, where they buy it from, who they buy it from have everything to do with not just what food goes in their mouths or their family's mouths, but it goes to how strong are our local uh, communities, you know, mm -hmm. you know, is, is there money flowing through the community or is it going one way as fast as it can to Minneapolis or Chicago mm -hmm. or Tokyo or wherever? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's those food dollars make a tremendous amount of difference in a rural economy like Iowa. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think people maybe don't fully appreciate just how much um, their buying decisions help determine the kind of social fabric that we have in this state. And uh, you go around these small towns of what cheer and whatever around yeah. Iowa, and uh, you see just, you know, the declining of housing yeah. the you know people abandoning ship mm -hmm. and uh towns just withering up and dying and uh, that's you know completely understandable given our dependence on one-way industrial-based agricultural economics mm -hmm. um, so yeah it'd be interesting to see if if this does help prick people's ideas about hey this this it was a little more expensive i mean that's that's the one thing mm -hmm. that is True. You know, if you want to, uh, I think it's know. just the value too, like the expensive of it, you know, yeah. like I always hear like, wow, it's just so expensive to go to a farmer's market. It's so expensive to buy organic and, mm. or is it cheap yeah. <laughs> to buy everything else? You know, like, um, I know that my food, like when I take it as much as possible, when I harvest when, or when I give it to someone, when I sell it to them at the farmer's market, when I pack it for my shares, it was harvested that day or the day before maybe two or three days earlier, you know, because we can harvest and store something mm -hmm. for it because it was at its quality right then, its peak mm -hmm. right then. And we have blessed enough to have some um, walk-in coolers that we can use. But it, it is a little bit more expensive, if, if we use that word, It's it, but it's a higher value. It's harvested at the peak of its ripeness and its juiciness and its yumminess. And, and it's not transported everywhere. It's not bruised or it's not, yeah, nutrition. Um someone has thought like me, I sit at home in the winter and in front of my cozy fireplace with my hot chocolate. And I sit there and I think of all the different colors and mm. the, you know, like that I'd like to have on my market table. I read up on the stories. I love heirloom vegetables. Um, a lot of times we have hybrids that have grown. We have a lot, we grow a lot of hybrids that are grown for, um, being harvested and stored and packed or, you know, and mm. shipped across or they're the perfect round something or they're this and like, um, I think those are great. We have a lot of them because people want like a good old red slicing tomato, but then we have, um, 
like black creme that is this like brown, you know, brown brick red tomato with green on top. And it is the best tomato. You know, like I love the purple Russian type tomatoes. Um, um, but they have a story. So when I look up, we buy seeds from Baker Creek seeds. Um, and it's a lot of heirlooms and you you can look at the story. This was grown by Mm -hmm. Bob Smith and, you know, Mm -hmm. like on his farm in Minnesota and he passed it down three generations or, or it came from the, native tribe in this area, you know, like that just, that has a story. I love that history of the food as well. Um, and then I can pass that on to my customers and then they know something a little bit more just besides like, here's a tomato, <laughs> you know? And then, so I think the expensiveness, yes, but you have the whole experience and a learn and a love and a knowledge and a community base around that food, just even in the stories that are around the food, you know, like, yeah, that's so, a good point. I and, and I mean, to be fair, I think you you can say, yes, it costs more per pound for mm-hmm. that heirloom tomato. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. But how much of our tax money is going into subsidizing mm-hmm. the industrially grown tomatoes that are shipped across the country, mm-hmm. whether it's cheap fuel because we subsidize oil companies or whether it is other, uh, you know, externalized costs like water pollution or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's fair. And I think ultimately the responsibility of consumers to say, are, what sort of food system do we want and how do we build that? And the, the great thing that's happening right now is that more and more people, I think are starting to say, yeah, there is some intrinsic value to buying from somebody I know there's intrinsic value to the kind of produce they're, they're growing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's what we're going to support. Mm-hmm. So hopefully yeah. that stays around. Yeah. The whole, like the fact that I know some of my clients, I know that if I got an extra sweet peppers, for example, I call Sarah because <laughs> <laughs> I know she's going to eat them up, you know, but just the know your farmer, know your food things. We also know you guys as mm. well, you know, so we know that when we have extra of this or like, I know maybe this chef doesn't love this, but Hey, he's going to, you know, like purchase this as the best tasting of this type of thing that I have. So Yeah. I think, and then even with the whole, not even just related to food, but just the community type stuff. Like you said, you can buy cheap stuff from overseas or wherever. Like if I buy me as a farmer too, if I go and buy a toy for my nephews, Hmm. if I buy it from a local, you know, company, yeah, it's not an iPad. It's not a whatever that I'm like, oh, great. And Angie's giving me another wooden something. (laughs) But if I go and buy something from a local person in our community, then they're going to have money to go to this restaurant, (laughs) which then just bought food from me. So it's just this big, you know, circle, like you said, just keeping it here and keeping us strong and rich and not rich in money, even just rich in neighborhood, neighborhood connections. So I hope that happens or keeps happening, keeps Keeps building. Yeah, it it is. There, there is a silver lining to this whole COVID thing. I think, uh, to the extent that, uh, you stay out of the political realm and you know, you just start to see some real goodness coming out of this. That's one nice thing about, you know, it's, interesting because there's so many people that have been their lives have been so changed by this and me marla and i are like get up every day and go to the farm and keep working we're like oh right i mean not oh right this you know it's not happening but our day in day out lives haven't changed you know like that much and we were joking at first with other farmers if i hear one more person say i'm bored i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah (laughs) So. so what's it look like I mean, I, I, I assume in your mind already the wheels are turning for next year yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, what's planning. I mean, what what will you do different? What 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 are you thinking right now? Oh, goodness. Um, 
what will we do different? I don't know. <laughs> um, we always make a list all throughout the year. We have, you know, our phones we pull out and yeah. I'm a big picture taker. I, I like them for, you know, just the beauty of it and sharing them on our Instagram and things like that. But I also, it's a way for me to remember like, oh yeah, don't ever grow that again. <laughs> ever. <laughs> this is the fourth time you've tried to grow that, Angie. Don't grow that again. Um, so I guess just like different varieties. Um, you know, one thing that we've gotten a lot of praise on is our cherry tomatoes. We know mm. that we are not going to change a darn thing about those, you know, you, like, you cannot no. because my like, wife would yeah. come over and hit it's you in like the, the head. Candy, you yeah. know, like it's like candy. Yeah. <laughs> so, good. It's the best yeah. thing we've ever had. I love those kind of comments. So, um, for us, we're still in it. You know, we still have got broccoli and cabbage and kales and cauliflowers out in the field. So, um, we are winding down, um, but haven't even had that time to, you know, to kind of regroup um, and figure that out. So, um, but yeah, I mean, now is the time where we're going to kind of start looking into uh, what worked, what didn't, tools that worked, tools that didn't, mm-hmm. tools that we are going to purchase because mm-hmm. I can't go through another time without having something to help me do this, you know, Um so uh, yeah, that's the time when you know when that when the snow melts is when at times when we can kind of <laughs> take a breather and start start planning it all out. It's when we get start getting seed catalogs mm, in the mail, yeah, you know, or, <laughs> the good reading, entice, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. the good readings yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, we'll probably still um, we'll still do the farmers market. We will definitely still do the CSA numbers wise and things like that. We're just gonna have to kind of think about it and what worked and what didn't, but we love growing for our community. So we want to keep doing that. So tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Uh, what's your website and whatever yeah. the hell, Instagram, well, that stuff. Uh. or whatever. <laughs> so our <laughs> website is bountifulharvestcsa.com. Um, and we have an, it's all, from there, you can go to anything. Okay. <laughs> but there's, um, we have our online store, which has, there's a tab at the top of that that has store, I think. You can click on that. <laughs> it'll take you to the store. It's funny how, like, I, you know, I have it copy-paste on my <laughs> Instagram. Um, but yeah, we're, there's a couple Bountiful Harvest. There's one in Mississippi um, that we're really good friends with now because, like, someone will call me in um, February or March. Hey, are you going to have strawberries at the market this year? <laughs> think you're checking on the Mississippi one because we're still frozen. <laughs> and he'll say like something like, I got a message the other day about corn. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, bountifulharvestcsa.com is our website. Um, my email is asharny, A-S-C-H-A-R-N-Y at me.com. So you can um, shoot me an email. We'll get you on our email list for our online farm store. We do that on Wednesdays. Um, for our veggie drive through we can do Wednesdays and Saturdays. So you order like on Tuesday and Friday, like before, load it all up and easy cheesy. You just drive on up. We put it in your car and off you go. So, Fantastic. yeah. Well, thank you, Angie. Thank you great. very much. And thank you all for tuning in uh, to yet another super exciting uh, tantalizing episode of uh, Pollinate. And we hope to see you guys around again check us out uh, one way or the other however you use device or whatever device you use cheers cheers